Standing at seven foot two, weighing five hundred pounds, you're listening to the Big Show Show Show, the world's largest athlete sitcom podcast. Welcome back. My name is David James Young, and joining me once again, my cohort for this entire absolutely bizarre uh, journey we are about to undertake, Chris Young. Chris, what's going on, man? How are you? Ah, uh, no, I'm pretty good. I'm in a new recording setup, so hopefully today is a bit smoother than last time. I'm here for the show, Show Nation. You know, you know how it is. Yeah, <laughs> we already have a fan base, and it's the Show, Show Nation. Oh, you better believe it. Or should it be the Show, Show, Show Nation? Oh, good idea. The sh- the Show, Show, Show Nation. There we go. That 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 rolls off the tongue. Fans, tweet at us. <laughs> tweet at us with uh, what you think you'd like better. <laughs> Oh, Man, we get one reply, yeah. and it's from a bot. <laughs> Actually, I, I think you should be called the the big podcast. <laughs> thanks, man. Didn't ask, but thanks. And and this one this one says fuck local sluts in your area. Ooh, which is nice. Are you saying there's Christian singles in my area? <laughs> it's more likely than you think. And they'd like to um. Mingle, I believe, is the word we've used. Here. Yeah, I believe, I believe that's the term they're going for. That's the term they're going to use. Yes, indeed. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know about this one. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But for now, folks, we are here. We have rev- we have just watched the first episode of the Big Show show, and therefore it is time for the first official episode of the Big Show show. Show. Well, hell yeah. Hell yeah. The name of the episode that we just watched was Prototype, written by Josh Bicell and Jason Berger, with Jen McCartney, Rebecca Delgado Smith, and Jessica Elena Asin, directed by Phil Lewis. In this episode, Lola moves to Tampa, where she will live with her father, Big Show, her stepmother, and half sisters. She has a hard time fitting in. Show convinces the coach to have Lola try out for the school's ice hockey team. Meanwhile, Mandy hosts a sit-in at her bedroom that attracts a lot of visitors. Chris, what did you think of Prototype? A strong opening. Like, it was obviously, it was just, it's the context episode. Yeah, definitely. This is, this is a pilot. Yeah. yeah it's just like, oh, on the big show and uh, I had an ex, I have a kid with my ex-wife and she lives over yonder. And uh, I now I have a new kid. One of them's a rat bag, and the other one's a cunt. And, uh, <laughs> Imagine if he actually said that. Yeah, and just like the weirdest thing is that like they went out of their way to define characteristics for all the kids, right? Where it's like Lola is like you know the not bratty, but just like she's a moody teenager. She's from Nebraska, so she likes hockey. Yeah, you know she's like a tough tomboy sort of thing. Mm-hmm. JJ fucking rocks let's just get that out of the open right now yeah oh it's it's very true the absolute star of this show by far the mvp i guarantee you she's still going to be mvp by the end of the series yeah no doubt like 
she's she's incredible. She's fucking great. Like the writing for JJ alone is the best writing on the show. Absolutely. Now, before we get into the show itself, a little bit about the people that have worked on this show. So, Josh Bicell and Jason Berger are the directors and uh, creators and EPs of this program. Uh, So, Josh Bicell has worked on shows such as Happy Endings, which featured our, uh, one of our favourite actresses, the wonderful Miss Casey Wilson. Hey, I've uh, got a couple of fucking happy endings for you over here, mate. She is stepping into my yeah. parlor. <laughs> uh, he also has worked on shows like Scrubs, Psych, and American Dad. Okay, interesting. So he's, he's definitely a sitcom guy. Yeah, yeah, he knows his way around this stuff. So he's worked as a EP and a writer and a showrunner for a bunch of different uh, places. Uh, Berger, meanwhile, appears to have been uh, a, a guy that's worked with, with Josh in the past on both Happy Endings and Psych. So they appear to have already a bit of a rapport set up. Uh, so going into this, they clearly have a vision and they have like a sense of teamwork and they they clearly know what they are hoping to get out of this show. Yeah, I'm um, just from his resume and like the other shows that he's worked on and just the general vibe from this show. I'm going to assume he didn't have much of a hand in the parts of Scrubs that were like real tugging at the heartstrings moments like when JD, you know, comes to terms with like his dad and like all the breakup like scenes and stuff and like the actual like good acting parts of Scrubs, I feel like they were more responsible for, like, your steak nights and things like that, and Brick House, you know, all these classic things. We should have definitely have a, a side podcast of the big, the big Show Show Scrub Show. Oh, man, absolutely. Uh, actually, I'm pretty sure, like, he had, like, a kind of like little bits over the over the course of the show but his main his main baby was that final season which is fucking crazy oh no yeah i know right <laughs> wait like, wait the final season or or the the writers strike final season the, yeah the the financial crisis ep, uh, season season 9 oh no mm, that's no. not good <laughs> it's not oh, good he- it has a lot of talent and it's just trash yeah oh. man like the the talent on the on screen talent anyway. I can't speak for the writing yeah. staff. But. Uh, speaking of the writing staff, so the main staff writers uh, for this show are Jen McCartney, Rebecca Delgado Smith, and Jessica Elena Ason. Uh, McCartney is making her TV writing debut on the Big Show show. She's previously worked on mm. a bunch of uh, internet sketches uh, and uh, animated shorts and a bunch of other stuff like that. Uh, meanwhile, sorry, pause. You were just like, yeah, she worked on a bunch of internet sketches. I could just, like, see someone dismissing that immediately. She's just like, oh, yeah, she does YouTube. Uh, <laughs> she's like, yeah, she got, you know, 36 subscribers. I think that's good. <laughs> Look, man, I, I don't think she worked on Charlie Bit Me or Sneezing Baby Panda or any of the, any <laughs> of the classics. So... <laughs> I- could you imagine if she, like... Had a writing credit that was like, yeah, I've worked on internet, like internet videos, and it's just like she accidentally went viral once because like a dog threw up on her baby or something, (laughs) 
or vice versa. Oh, that'd be that'd be epic, dude. That'd be so epic. That was the sequel, <laughs> The Baby's Revenge. Oh man, Jessica Elena Ason uh, has worked on uh, several internet sketches as well. Uh, she also worked on the series Adam Ruins Everything, which is uh, the show uh, with uh, Adam from College Humor. Well, actually, yeah, that's the guy. You sorry, know the that's guy. that's that's the whole show. <laughs> Guys, I just saved you a lot of time. It's, it's, it is actually pretty interesting, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> this is also her TV writing debut. Meanwhile, Rebecca Delgado-Smith has spent a lot of time uh, as an actor. She's had bit roles in shows such as The League, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, The Good Place, and also had a role in the movie Paranormal Activity 3. The Big Show show marks her second TV writing gig. Sorry, I thought you were about to tell me that the the full title of Paranormal Activity 3 was Paranormal Activity 3, The Big Show. (laughs) That would be fucking great. And I was like, you know what? I believe you. (laughs) I don't have time to go check that. I believe you. The Big Show is just haunting a bunch of various couples, you know, just all around the place, like standing over their beds and shit. It's real spooky. Just like slightly moving a chair. And then when he tries to sneak out of the house, he just trips over the dog (laughs) and makes a whole heap of noise. (laughs) And then he's like, what was that? Was it a ghost? It's just this giant fucking bald man screaming because he whacked his knee into the coffee table. Now, uh, the director of this episode was Phil Lewis. Phil appears to be a veteran of working on sitcoms. He has been doing this for quite some time. Some of the biggest shows that he's worked on in the last decade include One Day at a Time, Fuller House, The Odd Couple, Mike and Molly... And our favourite, Two Broke Girls. Did you work on any good shows? Look, man, One Day at a Time is not bad. I haven't... I've only seen, like, minutes, like, literally minutes of the other shows. So I cannot... I cannot uh, confirm nor deny. But all of those shows have had some degree of rating success. So he obviously has done something right. And he clearly knows his way around multicam sitcoms. And how much of uh, Two Broke Girls have you seen? <laughs> Look... I'm going to level with you people. I have never seen Two Broke Girls. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a good bit. It is a great bit. Now, let's move on to talk about the main characters. Let's let's break down the white family. At the top, of course, we have the patriarch himself, the head of the family, Paul White, as himself, the big show, Paul White. Uh, as we mentioned, he's been in stuff such as The Waterboy and Star Trek and a bunch of other movies uh, and little bit roles and stuff like that. But this is his first main lead starring role. He is joined by Alison Munn, who plays Cassie White, who is the wife. Uh, she has previously been in shows such as That 70s Show, One Tree Hill and What I Like About you. So she was in like a lot of teen shows. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now she's just sort of in her like later stages of her career is sort of pivoted to the the mum. I wonder if she was like teenage a teenager in those shows and now she's just like the mum roles. Well, let's see. So she's 45 now. So she would have been on that 70s show in the early 2000s 
which would have been, yeah, so she would have been like mid-twenties or something like that. So- yeah, so she would have been a teen, for sure. <laughs> it's it's a classic thing from like Grease and Scream and, and anywhere else where it's just like these people in their late twenties and early thirties are playing high schoolers and it's just like, who, who are you fooling, man? Yeah, it's not about fooling anyone. It's just about getting actors who are competent. That's the thing. Yeah, true. Like, you can get... A 17-year-old to play a 17-year-old, and they'll just be trash. But if you get a 21-year-old with a young face, okay, perfect. <laughs> and they can actually act for shit. You know? Especially on Neighbours and stuff like that as well. They tend to, like, age people down a lot. This is a little side note, but I had a, a friend in high school who got an extras role in Home and Away. Right. And she was on a school bus in a primary school uniform. At the time of recording... She was 19 years old. Oh my god. So so well she's very she was very short. Right, so. okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But still like it was very funny. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of a Bruce City ego. I'll I'll I'll, I'll have to say that. <laughs> They're like hell yeah, landed my first gig. Mm. I'm going to be an extra on Home and Away, rock up on set. You are 11 years old. Oh boy. I, like, <laughs> I see where we're at. <laughs> Raylan Carter plays the role of Lola White, the eldest daughter who is moving in with the White family. Uh, She has previously been in uh, American Housewife and a show called Me, Myself and I, starring another good friend of ours, Mr. Bobby Moynihan. Hell yeah. I love Bobby. He's the best. You know, know I'm going to call it right now. Big boy of the week goes out to Bobby Moynihan. Hell yeah. Shout out Bobby Moynihan. I was going to break that out later, but uh, (laughs) this is my weekly award that I'm going to be giving out. You know, big boy of the week, Bobby Moynihan. Yeah. Hey, Bobby, if you're listening, and I know you're listening, Bobby, good work, man. I'm proud of you. Fucking right. Lily Brooks O'Brien plays the role of Mandy White, who is now the middle daughter after previously being the eldest in the house. She has previously been on shows such as Bounce and The Tick and has also appeared uh, in a sketch on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, where she played the daughter of uh, Tuck Buckford. Why not? (laughs) Yeah, which is a uh, recurring gag on Colbert. It's a whole thing. Look it up if you're interested. And last but certainly not least, Juliet Donenfield in the role of J.J. White, the youngest daughter. She was previously in shows such as Better Call Saul and Good Girls and also does a voice on the uh, another Netflix show, She-Ra. Okay, so she has a much better, you know, resume than the other two daughters. <laughs> yeah, I know. Which is wild. <laughs> well, you know, checks out because she is the fucking superstar of this show. Oh, nothing has made me feel more ancient so far than reading this bio about this girl that's, you know... Like, got her own IMDb page, and it's just like, she was born, she was born in 2009. Damn. Yeah, I feel old, like, when I'm around people who are, like, post-9-11 babies. Yeah, But damn, like, nearly post-me finishing high school babies (laughs) is like, oh my god, I am old. Yeah, that's my my first Mm. year of uni. First year of uni was 2009 for me. Shit. Shit. Okay, let us go beat by beat and let's work our way through. Prototype, season one, episode one. We open on an airplane where Dorothy, 
who we are presumably never going to see again. I hope not. <laughs> having a chat to our girl Lola. Dorothy, played by character actor Jill Basie. Gary Busey? <laughs> yes, it was Gary B- It was a very, very convincing Is Gary, Gary Busey. Busey in a dress? <laughs> Fuck, man. Could you imagine? I could, and I will. <laughs> I know you will. And it will keep me entertained for years. <laughs> now, this was a very curious decision to do a cold open on somewhere that isn't the the main setting of the show. I guess that they were trying to like build up and lead to that moment, but like when you get to the main house, like it's not that specifically remarkable in the first place. So it's curious as to why they made that decision to start on the plane. Um I guess to just to kind of establish that, you know, Lola's making like a big cross-country move and yeah, that, like yeah. she's going to she's like kind of being interjected into into the setup. Yeah. And so it's to like, I guess it's to sort of to initiate because obviously this is the opening moments of a brand new television show. Yeah. That is an entirely a work of fiction. We'd have literally nothing to go off. So the fact that we open on this plane and she's like, oh, I'm going to meet my dad. And then we get all the, the shots of the big show doing his thing. Yeah. It's just like, oh, okay. So like he's had a child to another woman. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty normal. You know, like previous relationships and stuff like that. You know, like there are there are half siblings and stuff like that out there. Yeah, but it's just like it's not something you see in sitcoms all that often. I, yeah, I don't that think is true. It's sort of like a curveball yeah. to throw immediately. It's like the opening pitch is a is a screwball. You know, it's like oh okay, that's a that's interesting. And so I guess yeah, for that it's sort of like the 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 showrunners just being like, bear with me. Stepchild. <laughs> now, we do get a, a package, a very brief, probably about 10-second package of Big Show moments, including him ch- getting choke slams on people, him winning the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, and this one, this one kind of stuck in my craw. Uh, they use a voiceover of Michael Cole saying, Big Show's done it, he's won the US title, and they cut to the Big Show holding up the WWF Championship. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. It's a, it's a real, like, I hope someone was fired for that blunder moment, but, like, as, like, they know, they know for a fact, like, this was co-produced, this is a co-op with WWE Studios and Netflix. Like, the people at WWE Studios that are overseeing this know for a fact that wrestling nerds are going to be watching this, and it, it's just going to be like that fucking that meme of Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, where he's just like smoking and pointing at the TV. It's just like ah, <laughs> okay, yeah. Look, here's here's my understanding of what's happened. Right, so both I think both times the Big Show won the WWF or WWE Championship. Yeah. JR was calling the match. Oh. And JR is currently signed to All Elite Wrestling. Yeah, that is true. So what I'm thinking is they go, fuck, we can't use that clip. We have to change it out for one of Michael Cole or someone else calling a victory of his. Yeah, And all they could find... That's a good point. ...for a clean take was Michael Cole saying he won the US title. So that's kind of what I think... Has happened. Yeah. Funny little Easter egg. Did you see who the last person was that the Big Show eliminated in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal to win the whole thing? Was it me? It was you. No, no, no. It was. Yeah, nice. It was. Got to be that. AEW's own Cody Rhodes. Ah, oh, Cody Rhodes. <laughs> if you wheel. If you wheel, my son, Cody Rhodes. Daddy. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. daddy. How times, daddy? 
<laughs> and that brings it close to uh, Dusty Talk. <laughs> making niche wrestling jokes. Hey, speaking of making niche wrestling jokes, JJ's first joke in the whole thing, uh, dissing her dad's French braid, uh, and then Big Show bringing up that he used to do it to Mick Foley, and then JJ saying, hey, I've said this before and I'll say it again, stop comparing me to Mick Foley. Yeah, that was heaps pisser. Like, funny, but for us, it felt like a bit of an inside joke considering they are presumably pitching this at, you know, people that generally don't know who the big show is and don't know about WWE and wrestling and that sort of stuff. There is definitely an audience here who's just like, what the fuck are they talking about? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much of, like, the pitch has been aimed at non-wrestling fans because I don't even think they advertised that the show was coming out that much. I think the bulk of the advertising was done by WWE. So I think they sort of know that their demographic is going to be wrestling fans who have Netflix. Yeah. That's, and yeah, that's anyone fair. else who sort of watches it is going to be like, uh, I guess I'll look up who that is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, at this point, we are officially introduced to Paul and JJ and Cassie. Uh, sidebar, we don't actually find out what Cassie's name is until 20 minutes into this 22-minute episode. Yeah, well, look, I forgot what Mandy's name was almost immediately (laughs) because she's the least memorable person on the television show. Yeah, look, she's not great. She's definitely not great. But uh, yeah, we'll get to her in just a second. First, let's talk a little bit about the big show's acting. I feel like they could have gotten a couple of better takes out of him in this opening bit. There's a couple of, like, awkward pauses. And when he does talk... Because he's got such a deep voice, as we've talked about, because of the uh, Akromagali, <laughs> Akromagali, he does he does have such a deep voice that sometimes you can kind of lose what he's talking mm. about because he's all the way down here, yeah. and so he'll sort of stumble over the line and really yeah, and, sure. and at times it can be a little bit kind of sliced alone-ish, where you are just like, what? Uh, <laughs> No, go for him. He's clearly all in, and he's clearly ready for this. But there are a couple of moments, like just in this in this first bit here, it gets better as this this episode goes on. But I reckon there are a couple of better takes in the in in this first little bit. Personally, how how do you how do you feel about the Big Show kind of coming across like as a fictionalized version of himself? Is it convincing to you? Yeah, because you know wrestling is dumb inherently. We all know that. So for him to be like a big, dumb, goofy guy, isn't that big of a stretch of the imagination? Yeah. You know, because I imagine that's sort of how he acts in real life. Like I've seen interviews of him and like clips of him on like Up, Up, Down, Down and stuff where he's just, he's just a dude. Yeah, exactly. It's like he, he, like for the majority of his career, he was built up as like this monster and this giant and this like destroyer of worlds. Yeah. And then you just see him. Like hanging out with the boys, having a brewski, and it's just like, oh yeah, he's just a person, yeah. you know. Like, so for him to be just like a goofy dad, yeah, it's not it's not a huge stretch for me anyway. I did want to give a special shout out to I think one of the stronger jokes 
uh, purely on the delivery of, of Alison Munn, who just kills this uh, particular bit where Big Show brings up the fact that she convinced him to not wear cargo shorts. You convinced me to not wear cargo shorts to our wedding. And then she smiles, turns her head and says, but not to the reception. Hell yeah. That rocks, dude. <laughs> Which is... I can just, I, I just picture him. I, I had to pay yeah, that. I just picture him at the altar, just like tapping his wrist, like looking at his watch, just thinking about shorts o'clock, <laughs> just like, I need to get out of this tux as soon as possible. I was like, I don't even want to pound my wife. I just want to get into my fucking cargo shorts, you know? Daddy's a shorts guy now. He is a shorts guy now. That is, that is confirmed. <laughs> But a, a joke that I, I feel like they kind of overlabored and didn't quite land as much was the the joke about uh, being on the side of a bench and uh, bringing up uh, ADB all day butts. I I can all, all day, day butts. butts. I can oh. see that they were trying to like use it as a kind of like gag to make JJ laugh. Like it was kind of like yeah, intentionally a little kids joke. But like. Don't have the don't have like the laugh track you go along with that. Like just have just have it be like a joke between Big Show and JJ. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess it was like the laugh track is supposed to tell you when something's funny. Yeah. So I guess that's that's really what they were doing. It's just like <laughs> it's pretty funny how the Big Show said but <laughs> <laughs> bit of bit of wink wink nudge nudge there, guys. Um, that's actually quite rude. Is um what he's done there. That's that's sort of um you know. The joke is um that it's kind of rude what he's done there. He said butts. In just a minute, I am going to get into another issue I had with Laugh Track. But at this stage, uh, we are officially introduced to Mandy, uh, who literally just storms in and just spouts exposition. I'm the middle child. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like... JJ's like, I'm finally going to have a big sister. And then Mandy walks in and goes, you already have a big sister. It's me. I'm the big sister. It's me, Mandy, the big sister. But I'm about to be the middle child. And it's just like, everything just feels like there is so much exposition in her like 90 seconds that she has there. Like that she's a drama queen and she's now the middle child. She is very... Uh, determined and she's a go-getting like uh like smart talented kid you know that sort of thing yeah she's woke <laughs> they're trying to cram a lot into this moment so yeah uh, the only note i took from that scene was and exact wording was middle child sucks ass <laughs> and i was just like it just from like the 30 seconds that she's on screen in that scene it's just like Oh my god, I'm already sick of you. Yeah, right. Like, if you like, were dude. real, I, w- I would delete you on Facebook. <laughs> like, you have said nothing, and you have you have said so much and so little at the same time. Oh man, in a big way. Because all of that has just been established about Mandy, what happens next is very, very confusing. Now, Big Show attempts to soften the blow and attempts to kind of make things a little easier for Mandy by doing her favorite game, whatever this is, Giant JJ, which basically consists of JJ sitting on her dad's shoulders with a massive coat covering them. She is now just parading about and screaming for candy. Well, she's miming along to her dad screaming for candy. Yeah, I think that that really wasn't 
the the way I saw it, that wasn't so much the focus of the bit. Is that like that Mandy was like, I'm not dramatic. Do you guys think I'm dramatic? And then like her favorite game to play with her family is them acting out an old time serial, which is incredibly over the top dramatic. Yeah, so that was kind of the vibe that I got. Like it was a payoff from from the from the setup of Am I dramatic? Do you guys think I'm dramatic? Okay. I can see that. And it's like, hey, let's play your favorite game. Forties mm. radio show. <laughs> okay, but riddle me this. Why did they take out the laugh track? Because if you run that without without a laugh track, it was genuinely a bit disturbing. Oh yeah, I don't know why they didn't put a laugh track over it, but um maybe because they couldn't afford to have to, like, pause for laughter if they were working on, like, a time budget. Maybe. But I don't yeah. know. <laughs> it was just so strange. Like, you've seen those videos, right, of, like, sitcoms without the laugh tracks, like Big Bang and Friends and oh, yeah. whatever else. Incredible. Yeah, it, it felt exactly like that. I was just like, oh, this is this is very uncomfortable. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, am, I am not feeling this. Oh, boy. Uh, that takes us to the main credits, and that takes us to the airport, uh, where JJ has snuck in behind all the balloons, uh, uh, to hang out with her dad and meet Lola at the airport. Uh, on their way in, they bump into a security guard who mistakes the big show for John Cena. Uh, Chris, you liked a particular line, uh, when, uh, Big Show uh, retorted uh, to the security guard. Yeah, I believe he was like, John Cena, do I look like someone who wakes up twice a night to moisturize? (laughs) I was just like, fuck. (laughs) Get owned, nerd. I believe is... That's a huge RIP to John Cena. Yeah, if you thought John Cena got owned by The Fiend, wait till you see the Big Show show. Oh my God, body. Paul White shoots hard oh. on John Cena. <laughs> in a big way. In a big way. Oh, my God. Man. So good. Love that shit. We both talked about uh, Big Show uh, reveals himself as a bootlicker by saying, always got time for cops. But JJ, yeah. <laughs> JJ immediately dismisses this dude and tells him to piss off. And I'm just like, yeah, fucking JJ knows the score, dude. Hit the bricks, jabroon. <laughs> JJ just fucking pulls up her fucking sleeve and she's got an ACAB tattoo. <laughs> one, three, one, two, aunt K. Um, oh, us, Just like, I, I just love it. She was just like, fuck off, dude. Like, it's he's the big show. Leave him alone. It was just like, yeah. Oh my God, JJ does not have time for authority whatsoever. Not a damn thing. Not a goddamn thing. She's going to get arrested thing. before the end of this show. That's for sure. Oh, I look forward to it. I look forward to it yeah, immensely. it's going to be sick. Fuck yeah, dude. It's going to be epic as shit. Now, meanwhile, uh, now Dorothy and Lola make their way out, and the first thing that Lola sees is the big show cradling the security guard like a baby. Did you have flashbacks to Big Show as the New Year's baby? I did. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that was an experience. Uh, yeah, if you're feeling particularly brave, maybe have a look at that one. Maybe look that one up. See how you go. There's your homework for the week, guys. <laughs> Big show, New Year's baby. You'll hate us forever, but we can assure you it's worth it. Yeah, we'll have, be- we'll be- we'll have better homework down the track. <laughs> Don't worry. 
Oh yeah, oh yeah, great things to come. Great, great, great things to come. But in the meantime, we head back home. Uh, so the premise is that uh, Mandy is going to have to move out into JJ's room uh, so that Lola can have her own room. And Mandy is not happy about this, so she is having a sit-in to protest, inspired by her heroes such as Ruth Bader Ginsburg, AOC, and Leslie Nope. <laughs> Leslie Nope got a shout out, and uh, I, ha- I, ha- I, I got to admit, I kind of popped for that. Like, we don't like Mandy, but we do love Parks and Rec over here on the Big Show Show Show. Yeah, I just like it. It checks out that Mandy's heroes are all just like women who are horny for paperwork. <laughs> Oh, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Man, it totally tracks. It totally tracks in a big way. Absolutely. We kind of skipped over something at the, in like the airport scene where JJ fires a confetti gun. And I was just, I I took a note of, hmm, firing a gun at an airport. That seems like a a bit careless, (laughs) especially in front of a police officer. (laughs) It wasn't an actual gun. It was like one of those twisty, like, can kind of things. Yeah, I know, but they were like, oh, it brought the confetti gun. It's like, you don't say gun when you're at the airport, for starters. Yeah. Even if you're at arrivals. <laughs> like, don't do not do that. That's a, that's a big netty no-no. I know that, like, JJ doesn't give a frick about the rules, my guy. But, like, damn. <laughs> holy shit. Yeah, it's fucking intense. I'll tell you that much. So, while Lola is left without a room, she is invited officially into JJ's room, a.k.a. the JJ Dome. (coughs) How the hell was she making that noise with, like, a normal air horn? I know. (laughs) Like, that's my... That is my million-dollar question. It was remarkable. Some of the best shit. Yeah, it was great. Like, it would have been better if they'd, like, actually had her, like, bumping it off her phone or something like that, but, like... Oh, dude, yeah. if she just shot a real air horn, that would have been way funnier. <laughs> oh, yeah, just literally just one where it's just like... Yeah, <laughs> but just, like, tell tell everyone on set that it's going to be a prop except for JJ. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, whoa, fuck, okay. <laughs> Fuck, that would be sensational. I'm, I'm, I'm very much here for that. I love that. That, that shit rocks, my dude. It's, it's some of the most rockin' shit I've ever heard of. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Uh, now I don't know if you picked up on this interesting bit of uh, set design. JJ has not one but two posters of her dad up in her room. Well, yeah, and she has a Big Show figure as well. Like, like the figure, I can kind of get as kind of like a, hey, uh, this is cool, but like. I don't care how cool your dad is. There is no way you were that big a fan of your dad that you would voluntarily have posters up of them up on your wall. I don't know. My dad's pretty cool. (laughs) There's that great photo from, uh, I think it was the Grammys about 10 odd years ago. And it's Tom Araya with his family. And he's like doing the horns and his kids are like blushing and staring at him. And the caption's like, your dad could be in fucking Slayer and your kids would still think you're lame. Yeah. It fully checks. (laughs) It totally checks, man. It totally checks. Tomorrow is a brand new day and school has just finished. Show makes his way over to school because he is there to talk to Lola to see how things are going. Turns out there's no girls hockey team and Big Show is not happy about that. So he is going to make his way over 
to the coach's office to sort someone out. This is the first time that Big Show, as a dad, as a, and as a and as a character somewhat, shows a couple of flaws where he is actively not listening to his kids, despite wanting to be an attentive parent, especially for a kid that he by full admission, yeah. hasn't always been there for. I believe at some point in the episode he describes himself as a Skype parent. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is good. Like, it, like they're clearly going for something relatable, not dissimilar to that over one day at a time. So I can see yeah, yeah what, what they're going for here. And yeah, they're, they're bringing a bit of heart to this episode, which, uh, which I think is good. I think that's definitely what they need. Around this period, we do get some killer JJ quotes. Chris, the floor is yours. Give us a bit of JJ. So JJ sort of explains to Lola that she's like, hey, I sleepwalk, I sleep eat, I sleep something else. I can't remember what the other one is. And Lola says, do you ever sleep sleep? And she says, I'll sleep sleep when I die. Hustle don't stop, bro. And I was just like, oh my God, JJ fucking rocks. She's the greatest. That was fucking unreal, and, wasn't it? Uh, another another huge one that I noted when she was explaining Mikasa e Sukasa. Except for my Legos. They are not Su Legos. <laughs> and I was just like that's that's fucking incredible. Yeah, that was, oh, that was and quite then, fun. And and then they 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 finally have their little, you know, sister to sister moment about like, oh my god, I'm so glad to be I'm so glad you're here, rah, 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 rah. and then JJ hits him with Oh, and by the way, I get 50% of all the Tooth Fairy money. You can talk to your guy, but this is a standard contract. And I was just like, oh my god. A bit of fucking deep Hollywood cuts from JJ. Right? Talk to your guy. Oh my god. It was great. She has the best writing on the show. The best writing on the show. She's a scene stealer as well. Like every time she's on screen, every it's like it's like Poochie. Every time she's not on screen, you're just like, where's JJ? Absolutely. I'm just hanging out watching this show, <laughs> waiting for JJ to show back up. Now, what did you think of the showdown between the coach and the big show? Oh, I thought that was pretty funny. Like, <laughs> the fact that he got hot because Old Mate called him double stuff, I just thought was just, like, <laughs> the dumbest thing. Like, <laughs> he could have called him, like, a piece of shit, and he would have been like, yeah, whatever. But it's like, he called you double stuff, dude. You gotta act. <laughs> a big show retorts by saying that he shops at Baby Gap. Yeah. <laughs> What was he? He's like a five foot two manlet that chops at Baby Gap or something. And I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh man. They didn't come to play, dude. It's it's savagery. Bobs are out. <laughs> Fuck me. For days. For days and days and days. Incredible shit. Yeah, it is a it's very, very entertaining. But yeah, obviously we now reach the uh, conflict, which is that Big Show didn't listen. And he's he as he says to his wife, who by the way calls him Show, yeah, like through the whole thing, like his name is like, do you reckon like his family and like people in general just call him Show? I think in this you know fictional universe, on his passport it reads first name Big, last name Show, <laughs> because no one calls him Paul, no one calls like says Mister White. We don't hear that like the surname of the family. Yeah. They're all, like, so far at the end of this episode, they are all 
first names only. They are The Big Show, JJ, Mandy, Lola, and Wife, who I can't remember her name. <laughs> Cassie. Cassie. There it is. And we get about half an hour into this podcast before I remember her name. <laughs> oh, God. We're slowly starting to see the formulation of these characters and the dynamic yeah. at play. We get to a great moment where Big Show goes out onto the ice while Lola is auditioning for the boys hockey team and he gets her to check him. Now, Chris, for those of us who don't know anything about ice hockey, what is checking? So checking is like a tackle, essentially. Like you either stand your ground and let someone run into you or you run into them. Right. That's how you... It's totally legal unless you hit them from behind or, like, from the side at a certain angle. But, like, head on, like, north to south is totally legal. Northbound on a southbound freeway. freeway. Look out. Um, Shout out to NHL 99. Mm -hmm. What an incredible game. But, yeah, so that's uh, a totally normal thing in ice hockey. And it's, like, what the tough guy, like, enforcer players do all the time. Instead of trying to steal the puck, they just knock the guy over. It's fucking great. And it, like, watching Big Show go down like a sack of shit, like, we've seen it before, but never by a woman and never by a teenage girl. A teenage girl on, like, in ice skates. You know? So funny. And the fact she, like, throws her stick down and then he immediately gets that look in his eyes like, Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I <laughs> fucked up. Oh, I fucked up big time. I'm about to get charged by a fucking teenage girl from Minnesota, and uh, that's going to end very poorly for me. Oh, yeah. I'm done for. I just want to circle back quickly. Yes. You missed an incredible JJ quote. I think I know which one you're going for. And that was, uh, Lola needs some time out from her bad day at school because, you know, her dad just beat up the ice hockey coach. She got embarrassed by, like, her dad not listening to her. So she's out on the roof, you know, sulking. And Mandy comes out and's like, oh my God, I'm so sick of all these kids. This protest has gotten so out of hand. This is ridiculous. And then JJ fucking zip lines into the scene. So already 10 out yep. of 10 performance from JJ. And they, they come to this meeting where they're like, okay, we're at an impasse where it's like Lola needs her own room because she needs a space. Yeah. Mandy wants these kids out of her room so the protest can end. <laughs> and JJ is JJ. So she says, oh, sick, we're working on a scheme. And she hits them with, I need $50, mom and dad's passports, and you two ding-dongs to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and, oh my God, I need to know what she was cooking. Like... <laughs> How many long cons does she have going on that we don't know about? I, I just don't know, and I, I really, really want to, because there's so much going on there. JJ is a total <laughs> mystery. She is an absolute enigma. She is a powerhouse, yeah. and I need to know everything about there's her. There's a lot going on here. Everything comes good. Lola ends up on the team. Uh, Mandy ends up shacking up with JJ. Uh, show makes amends. We do get those kids cleared out thanks to the big show walking in there and literally just screaming at them. Yes, so good. <laughs> I, I only had one note when I was watching that bit and I was just like, imagine if show just killed those kids. Yeah, I think he did. I think he killed at least one of them. <laughs> 
Just fucking hurled them out the window or just gave them the knockout punch. Well, like, they are eating Mediterranean food at the end of the show, and we don't know what source of protein that was. It could have been kid. <laughs> oh, my God. For all we know. He's seven foot two, man. It's true. I didn't even think of that. And I'll just, just quickly, another JJ quote that I cannot leave on the table, where they get back from the ice hockey rink, and... Cassie goes, so how did it go? Did you stay in the car? And and Big Show's like, yeah, yeah, we stayed in the car. And then immediately she's like, JJ sent me the video. <laughs> he's like, what? What do you mean you ratted on me? JJ hits him with, she promised me a Nintendo Switch if I flipped. And I want that Switch, baby. <laughs> and I went, oh my God. It's just like, oh my God, she's, she's you. Uh, 11 out of 10 performance. She's me. <laughs> She's an advocate for the Nintendo Switch and Nintendo Switch accessories. In a big way. And that's kind of my bag, honestly. You gotta pay it. Oh, absolutely. It's is one of the best things I've ever heard. It was excellent. And I'm, I was very glad that it made it into the show. We end up sitting down with the Euros and we have our nice little moment at the end which wraps everything up. Now... Before we finish our review, we are going to do two things. The big show and the no show. So first up, the big show. What worked? Now, obviously, JJ has made a huge, huge impression on the both of us. I am really, really liking every scene that she's in. She's absolutely killing it. I feel like the character of Lola has a lot of potential and promise as well. Like, she's aware of the tropes and uh, the stereotypes that come with her type of tomboyish character in sitcoms and cinema and stuff like that. So I'm going to be curious as to how and if they subvert that over the course of the show. And Alison Munn handles this whole thing like a pro. She is a excellent sitcom mum. So... Purely on those dynamics already, like, this immediate family dynamic has a, a lot of promise. So, I think that works for me. Yeah, um, I think JJ is just one of the best written characters. <laughs> like, yes. just this chaotic fucking psycho child that has so many things going going on. And, like, in the last scene, when they're about to start eating their dinner, she has another quote. And I'm going to go back to the J.J. Well one last time because it really encapsulates her character on a whole. Mandy announces to the family she's planning on running for lower school president, whatever the fuck that means. It's probably just like student council or whatever. J.J. goes, ooh, an election. Rigging an election is on my bucket list, along with learning how to tie my shoes. (laughs) I was like, oh my god. She kills me. She's great. So good. It's it's one of the best characters in television, period. Oh my god, that is fantastic. And yeah, like the whole, like, obviously, like, Lola's gonna be, you know, the tomboy. And I feel like they sort of half, maybe half wrote Lola as potentially being a boy. But then it sort of didn't fit the dynamic. So they've gone, oh no, tom tomboy girl. Yeah. Because it's just, I, I don't know, it just sort of felt like it was a little bit open-ended. It, not to be, like, stereotypical or anything, but, like, the huffy, moody shit, I feel it's, like, much more of a boy trait than it is a girl trait in teenagers going through puberty sort of thing. So, like, the way that she would be, like, all, like, huffy and, like, ugh, and stuff like that, I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know how that how well that played out. Yeah, no, I think the family dynamic's good. I don't know 
to really hammer home the point I'm about to make, mm. Cassie has a real estate arc. Yeah. Like, her, her job is real estate. And we didn't talk about that once in this episode. And one of the notes I took was, this real estate arc is probably going to suck. The reason I didn't bring it up is because it's so unmemorable. I, I feel like they really need to flesh out that side of things more. One of the, yeah, one of the least memorable things. Yeah, it's it's an incredibly unmemorable career choice. It's such like a, not so much a dead end, but just like, I either went to college and didn't finish, or I finished and got a shit degree, and now I work in real estate. <laughs> and it's just like, it's such a, oh yeah, it's just like, okay, cool. What do you do? Oh, I, you know, I wear a blazer. That's my whole job. It's like, cool, dude. All right, moving on. <laughs> she's on the phone with someone for half the thing, and uh, it's just like, oh, she's trying to she's trying to sell a shitty house. It's like, mm. no one cares. You're competing for screen time with JJ. Bring some fucking heat. Yeah. <laughs> Bring some heat. So you would say that uh, that element of, of uh, Cassie's character is a, is a no-show. That's not working for you. Oh, huge no-show. And while I'm on that topic, my other no-show... Is Mandy. Yep. <laughs> We've not been given a reason to care about Mandy yet. She sucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she's just like... The way that Mandy is written is like if a room full of writers that are all either like conservative or centrists viewed an annoying liberal. <laughs> oh, she's insufferable. And like yeah. she's, she's protesting and like she loves AOC. It's just like, <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I know people who are protest, and they are nowhere near as insufferable as Mandy is. But yeah, they're also probably adults. Yeah, that is true. (laughs) She's clearly just like hit the ground running on this lefty shit, you know, like daddy's first fucking hunger strike. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God. No good. So overall, we are going to give a rating out of five and the five things that we are going to be rating it out of will be something from this episode. So I am going to give episode one prototype, I'm going to give it three and a half euros out of five. Chris, what is your, what is your final rating? Yeah, I'm feeling three euros from me. Definitely kind of heavy lifting from JJ. Yeah. I think, Without JJ being as good as she is, it slips to a 2.5. Just a real, eh, whatever, who cares sort of thing. And then JJ comes in and sparks it up. And I'm like, okay, I'm I'm reinvested now. We're back. We're back. Yeah. It definitely helps with the pacing, for sure. They've really used her in, in small doses. And that's sort of like the best way to just sort of perk the show back up. Yeah. It's like, yeah. All right. Sick. JJ's back on screen. What's she going to do next? I, I don't know whether they're going to invest more into show's wrestling background, Yeah. but it really isn't brought up at all, which, you know, it's fine because we're establishing the entire cast. Like we can't have a focused episode on, you know, the big show's wrestling or anything like that. Maybe further down the track, we'll see some cameos or something. I don't know. I don't know what's in store for us. Well, there's plenty more where that came from. The next time you hear from us, we will be talking about episode two, The Big Punisher. Until then, Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to chat about this very, very entertaining new show with me. Very, very much appreciated. Hey, thanks for having me. Not a worry at all. We will see you next time on The World's Largest Athletes sitcom 
Pops podcast. Baby. The big show, show, show. Well, well.